0: To that mom life, I'm Sarah Jordan, and this week I have my friend Carrie Donovan. Not only is she mom, not only is she a mom of two, but she is also a fifth grade teacher. Which bless your soul, given what you're doing this year. And you and I originally met because my kids were being watched by one of my neighbors, and you were a close friend of my neighbor. And then I know your daughter was once there, so like our kids even knew each other at one point. And then as soon as I met you, I was like, oh, this is a person I. <laughs> <laughs> you're so super sweet. You're so energetic and you have a warmth about you. And that's why I knew I wanted to have you on because you've been posting these teaching tips. And we'll go back to the beginning really fast, but your teaching tips, tell me what's going on with these.
1: Well, as you know, momming is hard. Momming is not for the faint of heart. Um caring for children is not for the faint of heart. Um, Being a parent is not for the faint of heart. Um, And right now, given that we are living through a pandemic, um, our new normal is not a normal that we're used to. And I believe it increases the difficulty extremely with being able to juggle and manage all the things you would normally juggle. But on top of that, keeping your family safe, keeping your Kids safe, keeping your students safe, um, and finding new ways to do your job. Um, you mentioned that I was a fifth grade teacher um, with JCPS, and currently we are doing NTI 2.0. And doing that has chosen, is not something that was chosen by the teachers, but is 100% what we feel is like what we feel in our house is the safest decision right now, given um, the state of our city, the state of Kentucky and where this pandemic has taken our community. And so being at home, being a mom of two with both of them also doing distance learning and juggling being their mom, being their school teacher, helping them navigate what they need to accomplish along with teaching my 27 fifth graders um is difficult um I... so
0: how how are you handling that over there i mean you know what i i the best thing that you can is really the only thing you can do because you only can control so much and i think if that's one thing that 2020 has taught me or forced me to reckon with is that i only can control so much and Absolutely. for me focusing on the things that i can control has what's calmed some of my anxiety for instance some days the internet goes down yeah. and that seems like an easy issue in most days but when you've got two to three kids in your house virtually learning and you're working from home now you just lost your most essential tool Absolutely. so i mean that's or it's like your, your kids didn't sleep well last night and mommy's exhausted well you can't really control that you can try to add some caffeine on top of it it's just i feel like in 2020 if you try to focus on anything you can't control you will quickly drown so
1: and that every day and that's where the teaching tip came in um that is something i can control and i have found tips and tricks and little hacks that have helped me kind of not just survive but Let others know that I see you. I understand what you're going through. Um, This is not easy. This is very difficult. Um, Some people have a knack for online teaching and online learning. Uh, For some, it's like learning a brand new skill. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to share things that have helped build that community with my students through this process so far but also share with other parents and other teachers that are in the same boat as me or have chosen and have been cheap choosing to homeschool their children, giving them some tips and tricks that might help it, make it a little bit more doable and maybe something simple that they hadn't realized they could so, incorporate before.
0: Since I'm in Indiana, we started school before, Kentucky schools. And so we all we did have a choice actually to go in person, but we chose to stay home because it was what was safer for our family. And but even two weeks in, I wrote a blog about little tips and tricks I realized. And that could mean something as simple as packing your kids lunch the night before. So A, it's off mommy's plate, but B, it also feels kind of like school for your child as well. And you've got that taken care of or making the proper workspace for your kid, or even a portable workspace, if that means they need to go to grandparents' house, or go in a different room, or go to daycare, wherever it may be. So what are some of your favorite tips and tricks so far? I know you've been doing a daily teacher tip, but what are some of your favorite things that have helped you stay together?
1: Well, um, personally, I make my bed every morning, because that's one task that I can say that I did, that I completed, and, it's easy to do. Um, I get dressed like I would normally get dressed for work um, even though I'm not leaving the house. <laughs> um, I have created a space within the house. I'm in a little corner of one of our rooms that is my like virtual classroom, um, my desk and my learning space and I've created it so it's separate and has its own feel and vibe about it from the rest of the house because i would think i would have to say when this all began in march the most difficult thing was separating what was home and what was school and work and it's hard to disconnect when all the things are happening in the walls of your home and so just creating a routine um a Zen kind of space that allows you to do what you need to get done. And I did the same thing for my children. Um, My husband and I um, set up a a very similar space for them in the same room, but in a different corner of the room um, for them to do their virtual learning. So they were still in the same room with me if they had questions or needed anything, but also had their own space that was separate from where we would normally hang out.
0: You know, actually, I need to follow some of your tips. I was just talking to one of my good friends about this yesterday. I need to remember to get dressed like I normally would and to make my bed. Because sometimes while I just think I don't have time, I think I know that I would feel better if I did some of those normal things. Because it's a lot different when you're working from home, you're doing school from home, you're just being at home. You're never getting a break from a home, as weird as that sounds. But like... Clearly you and I are both used to leaving the house and going places and going to get food. And suddenly when you're stuck here, I find that even a drive feels good. But then I also find that I still have mom guilt while working from home, which I thought that would completely go away. But now it's like, I go in my office, but then I can still hear the baby crying. I can hear the kids needing help with the question for school. So it's like, I still feel that guilt. Do you still feel any mom guilt?
1: Oh, 100%, I am very similar to you, Sarah, and I'm a hands-on mom. So to set my child in front of a screen for the better part of the day and not be interacting with them and not be doing things with them and not um, talking with them because I'm also doing the same thing for my 27 students, I have a lot of mom guilt. And my mom guilt, believe it or not, is not when i leave the house um i relish that whenever i get to go um although it's once a week if i'm lucky Me too. <laughs> but um at home i still struggle with that because that's not the type of mama i am um but i know that it's necessary i believe our children know that it's necessary um and we're taking it in stride as best that we can but I don't want them to miss a beat with their schooling. And so I work probably twice as hard at home because I make sure that when I'm done with my school duties, I'm able to sit with them, go over their work with them, answer any questions that they have and just find that ebb and flow of being able to be that present mom when it, It is when I'm capable of doing so after I have met the responsibilities and expectations of me as a teacher as well.
0: You know, that's one of the things that someone, I know they were like, how can you have mom guilt? You're home. You're home more than if you were at work like you normally would be. And I said, I know that I'm home more than I normally would be, but it doesn't stop the division of my attention. And... I hate feeling that way or hate feeling like, oh, I need to go help them. I need to go do that. Oh, it's lunchtime. I should be out playing. I should be doing this. So I agree with you. I do think, though, in so many ways, the kids are so much more resilient than the adults that they are leading such a better example of being adaptable to controlling what they can control and getting rid of what they can't. I mean, I just keep watching my kids and they're like, okay, we're doing virtual learning. It's okay, mommy, you go do that. You have to work. Is it the weekend? You don't have to work on the weekend. It's fine. Like they have gotten into that routine and accepted it so much faster than I have. And I'm so thankful that they have their little kid outlook and spirit.
1: <laughs> they definitely are way more flexible and better able to, I guess, adapt to this change. Although it makes a huge... It's extremely hard on them as well. Um, Whenever you see the angst that they have when we finally get to do an outdoor, socially appropriately distanced play date and it has to come to an end and they're almost in tears because that's the first time they've seen their friend in a few months. Like, it's very hard. And although I am here with them all the time, that doesn't mean I'm present. Not like I... Would choose to normally be present, but my students that I have, um, my students that I teach, any in any year of teaching, um, they deserve the best part of me as a teacher, as well, and that is very important because I can be a consistent presence and an uplifting person for them and someone that rallies for them every day then that makes all of this worth it and i know that my children's teachers are doing the same thing
0: the the teachers really are superheroes my son's first grade teacher um is so good at adapting to virtual learning. And she calls them home friends. She's like, all right, school friends, all right, home friends. And I just love the way that she addresses everybody just to start the day. But there's times that she'll forget to upload a certain paper or all it'll be referenced in an email and I'll message her and I'll be like, Hey, I didn't see that. Did I miss something? And she was like, and she messaged me and she said, I thought I would go one day without making a mistake. I'm so sorry. And I was like, hold on, stop. I was like, we're in this together. More than ever, the parents are in this with you. Like, I will do whatever I can to help you. I was like, you're a wonderful teacher. And she was like, can you just send me daily affirmations? And I was like, if that's what I need to do as a parent, yes. But ultimately, I can't imagine what's on your plate as a teacher of trying to keep track of everything that's going on right now. And every little program and app and paper and upload. And you're teaching so much more than just the education. (laughs)
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And invest in a good notebook because that's honestly, every day I have a new page. I have all my students' names on it. I take notes. um, I mark if they shared something really great that day so I can specifically go back and message them and let them know how proud I was of them and just affirming what they're doing and building that rapport and that respect with them because i need to do that first learning will follow but they need to trust me first and that is what's most important and showing up for them every day even if it's just to be on a live with them to give them time to work and come off mute and ask questions then that's what i do
0: so, rewinding a little bit, usually I start with people's personal life and go to the professional, but given the fact that you're a teacher, and as such a, I say hot button for lack of a better word, but it's changed the way life is functioning right now. It's changed the way people are working, not just the teachers, but if all of a sudden I'm not working from home, but I also need to make sure my kids are on their classes, two different kids in two different grades, that's obviously going to affect the way that I work. And adjusting like that as a society is one thing but let's go rewinding pre-covid because it's fun to talk about the past pre-covid too so (laughs) carrie are you from the louisville area i am not where are you from
1: um i well i've lived in a few different states um i was born in louisiana grew up in evansville indiana which isn't too far from louisville um but after graduation by the way huh
0: I went to college in Evansville
1: for a while. That's where I went to. And when I graduated, um, I moved to Florida. And I had met my boyfriend at the time, now husband, um, about six months before I graduated. And I was offered a job in Florida and accepted the position and moved in December. And then about a month later, he came down and joined me. And we lived in Florida for about five years. Um, Had gotten married, had our son, and wanted to be closer to family. So we moved up closer to family, and we landed in Louisville. And then I've been teaching here ever since we moved. So I was in Oldham County for a few years and then moved to Jefferson County when my kids started school in Jefferson County because our schedules – are actually can vary pretty drastically between both counties. So whenever I made that decision to teach in Jefferson County, I thought that would be um, the most flexible thing to do um, given that we don't have much family here. Um, My husband has aunts and uncles and some cousins that live up here, but even though they live in Louisville, or like I, I would say, on the outskirts of Louisville, we don't have a huge support system here, so him and I rely very heavily on each other.
0: So you met your husband while you were in? With, you guys went to college together?
1: Um, we did, but I don't remember ever having class with him, and we graduated with the same degree. <laughs>
0: what? So how did you meet him then?
1: Um, he was a trainer at Bonefish um the restaurant and when I started there in July of the year that I graduated he was my trainer
0: that's hilarious it
1: is very funny <laughs>
0: um oh my gosh I think I know where that bonefish grill is the one in Evansville yes yeah, I know exactly where that is look at that match. so you guys have been together then since you guys were young
1: yes um we will be we celebrated our let me do the math our 12-year wedding anniversary this year, Um, and we've been together about 15.
0: So you now have two kids. How old are your kids now?
1: Uh, Colin's 10, and Willow is 6. Colin will be 11 at the end of the month. So is, wait, is Willow in kindergarten now? Willow's in first grade.
0: Okay, so willow and my in camp, my oldest they're both in first grade then. I thought that camp's seven, but he just turned seven. he's one of the oldest ones in the class because of the age cutoffs, but I knew that they were pretty close in
1: age. yes,
0: so you said you and your husband now, I know your husband mm-hmm. is in a much different career field than you, and your schedules sometimes are quite opposite of one another, but was that almost more intentional because you were each other's support systems
1: well at One point, yes, um, he, when he graduated with his elementary ed degree um, and started getting out there, he realized that that wasn't necessarily where his heart was. And so he stayed at Bonefish Grill, which is where he was working when he was in school. He paid his way through school by working. So he had very little student loan debt when he finished. And then when we relocated to Florida, He ended up at Hot Topic, believe it or not, um, and ended up being one of their managers down there. And then when we relocated up here, um, he did not want to go back into retail and um, always somehow found himself being drawn in the area of the food service industry and um, worked for Heine Brothers for several years, was one of their managers. Um, Then started working for um, Ryan and his restaurants um, and worked at Feast Barbecue, was one of the managers there, and then took on the role of the general manager of Royals Hot Chicken downtown.
0: And that's where he still is, correct? Correct. Oh my gosh, I love Royals. I want that so bad right
1: now. <laughs> He's there. You can go visit.
0: <laughs> See? Now, the hot chicken craze. This is one of those things which, by the way, the podcast it can be heard around the country. Fun fact. Um, and hot chicken, I, I guess, it did it start in Nashville? Or did it just Nashville make it a trend? I don't know.
1: I think but- when you think of hot chicken, most people, it's just iconic with Nashville. and. um they worked really, really hard at perfecting and doing due, di- due diligence to that culture of where the hot chicken trend started. And um, anything about that Ryan does, he does it th- the best and he does it very, very well. And so um, when he opened Royals, it was in the making long before it was ever an actual store there. That- front that you could go and eat at so um, they actually researched a lot in nashville before like perfecting their recipe and how they wanted to do certain things
0: it's so good now with him being in the food service industry because i know at times because again we have mutual friends so sometimes you and i would end up at the zoo together end up hanging out together I know with the food service industry, that's much different hours than a teacher. So you guys really had to tag team a lot. Was that hard?
1: Um, It was when, but prior to him taking the general manager position, um, when he worked for these restaurants and coffee shops, he oftentimes would take on the role of the manager that would work in the evening. So during the day he would be at home being like the caregiver for the children. So, at the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned um, those non traditional roles whenever, you know, dads are the ones that are staying at home. He was that dad. Um, and then, when he got offered this position, Meredith, our mutual friend, um, happened to have an opening. And we were able, at that time, both financially. And with um, somehow some bit of luck to be able to send Willow to our mutual friend's house to be cared for, um, which allowed him to take on that position. Um, Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to move forward with that because it's just with not having like our parents here or any of our siblings here, we don't have like I can't run to my mom's house quickly and ask her to watch the kids you know if something comes up so yeah there for a long time we did tag team um now with how things are and both of them being in school um it made it a little bit easier we may have had to do after school care until one of us was able to get there but it's easier now but since (laughs) since covid um they're obviously here with me so all the time so
0: (laughs) it all the time you were oh, always yeah. there <laughs> <day in Miami. laughs> um actually that's exactly how it has been I mean I've always had to leave the house and go to work and everything but my husband now has to leave and go to work and I've been home working since March so the kids just know I'm here every day and that's like but I never get to leave <laughs> um now as f- from a relationship standpoint how did you guys sneak in like a date night or like focusing on you all
1: Well, we didn't do many date nights. Um, We did date ends, um, and that may have consisted of one of us running and getting sushi after the kids went to bed and eating sushi on our bed watching a movie for that night. Um, But we would squeeze in time when we could. Um, Right now, it's increasingly difficult because you don't just want to – you know, find someone to watch your children because of the health concerns that you have to keep in mind now. So we just find time whenever they're sleeping or when they're playing outside. And we may sit and have a glass of wine together or we may watch a movie and like once a week, the children do sleep overnight. Um, we do sleep over Saturdays and they sleep and camp out in our living room. Um and then Will and I will watch like a movie that night when they're camping in the living room. So we find time. Um, when we were working opposite of each other, when we were working opposite, I need mean, when we were working opposite of each other, we were struggling a lot to see like just to make that work. Um, thankfully We would have some flexibility, like when family would come up and visit and they would watch the kids for a few hours so we could go out or a close friend would. So we find we're creative because doing this for as long as we've been doing it, um, we know it's important to focus on each other. So we just try to find time when we can. It's not always easy and it's not always ideal, but it's important and it's necessary. And he is 100% worth every bit of that flexibility and trying to make those times cut out of our daily schedule to just focus on each other. So,
0: you know, my, when I heard my husband and I first met, I was also working opposite schedules. I want to say that for the first, Hmm. It's funny. I think I'm good with dates until I do something like this. I'm like, wait a second. When did we switch? I mean, it was probably 2008 when we met until 2012. So four years he was working first shift and I was working second shift. And basically I would say hi to him in the morning. And then he would be in bed by the time I got home at night. And then we'd share weekends together mostly. And you do kind of just figure out ways to find time. I mean, again, regardless of COVID, my husband and I, um, started doing what we called late night date nights Mm -hmm. and this was something one of my friends who her husband's a musician they would do because sometimes the only time you end up together just the two of you is by the time you're ready to go to bed so our bedroom, I feel like, has become our sanctuary. And even pre-COVID, COVID or not, my husband and I, our late-night date nights, would literally consider of us watching our whatever TV show we're watching or watching a movie, getting some sort of fun snack. It's funny you mentioned sushi in bed because we literally just did that on Saturday, <laughs> and like went and got sushi. And after all three kids were to bed, we sat there and watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel eating sushi at ten o'clock at night. The healthiest thing for me at ten o'clock at night in bed, probably not. But like, it's my happy place and i tell my husband i'm like i'm not high maintenance i don't need some fancy dinner i literally just want some time that is kid free just the two of us and some snacking or something (laughs) so it's where there's a will there's a way and well no pun intended but you actually have a will
1: but (laughs) there's a will (laughs) and i love that you call it late night date night um you just i think we did the opposite schedule for about eight years
0: that's a really long time a really long time
1: (laughs) but I mean that's why everything's still so fresh and he still gives me goosebumps and it's because we're technically I mean we've been married 12 and a half years but it feels probably only like six because I didn't see him for like eight of those. So that might be why he hasn't gotten tired of me yet. So,
0: (laughs) well, I mean, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? So I mean, you guys, I think you learn to appreciate time differently.
1: I think so. Um, it's not the quantity, it's the quality for sure. And I try to convey that with our children too, because especially now, because we don't always get the time to do the things that we used to do but when we do do things we make the most of it and we remind them of that and it's helped them become much more appreciative and flexible within that situation which has made me extremely happy because they've just rolled with it too
0: you know that was when i was in the hospital i think it was with my first i can't remember first or second labor my pediatrician looked at me and she was like it is the quality of time not the quantity of time she was like you are a working mom stop feeling guilty about that she was like actually send your son to be washed by our mutual friend Meredith, and take the time you would with your newborn don't feel guilty about the time he's just fine and you need to heal you need to take care of her and that quality of time versus quantity of time has become a mantra in my life now for at least the last five years and more of a mantra that I have to remind myself
1: of because I'm constantly trying to be like, we
0: need to do this, and we need to do this, we need to do this. And all I'm really doing is stressing myself out.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you, you have to give yourself grace. And I have been reminding myself of that a lot, my students of that a lot, because with technology, like you mentioned at the beginning, comes hiccups. Um, and so that is something that we have to almost forcefully remind us to do um, ourselves to do just because it's not we're not used to having to give ourselves so much grace but we're not perfect we're human and what makes us learn and grow more is by making those mistakes but it's how we handle them and how we push through those difficulties that I think have really made the biggest difference both in my personal life and professional life and as a mom um just finding ways to persevere and to figure out how we can accomplish it with what we have and i think it's so easy to be so incredibly hard on yourself um when you're not used to that feeling and being in that situation and Just reminding yourself to have that grace and to take a breath and to know it's okay to slow down, to digest or focus on one thing and then, you know, move to the next. If I can say one thing, teachers, parents, caregivers, guardians, we're really good at pivoting, um, especially right now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's been... You have to, if not, you're going to fall flat on your face and that's not acceptable. And I like, that's not in the cards. Like we, we need to be there and rally together in order to get through this. And it takes a whole village, like a whole one to do that.
0: What are your biggest silver linings from this year? Whether that's personally or professionally, I, I'm trying to, turn a lot of the negativity that god lord i see non-stop on social media which i realize the unfollow button or mute button has been really helpful for me to control that but from a positive angle what are your silver linings and it could be something is the tiniest small thing like i figured out how to bake bread but (laughs) what have been your silver linings for this year
1: um it's forced me to slow down um and anyone that knows me well knows how busy i am um and how much i struggle with being still um and this has really forced me to slow down and to take it in stride and really put into perspective what is necessary what's not necessary and what can wait and be done later um i've also felt like I've got to reconnect with my children in ways that I hadn't connected with them before. But also, I feel like I've been able to reconnect with things about myself that I may have pushed to the side because I was worried about how it may be received or how someone else may view it or if it would be okay Um, and through all of this one of the things I've learned is if you you need to live your life unapologetically like it my life's for me it's not for anyone else Um, and I need to do what makes me happy what adds value to my life to my family's life possibly to others and you know, you can't always worry about what other people are doing and what where other people are at and what other people are thinking. And that includes, like, people who are close to you. I can control what is going on with me. All I can do with everything else is, you know, just be present and you know, roll with it. Like, like you said, I don't have to follow. I can mute. I can Mm -hmm. um, disconnect. But if anything, I think I found more of my voice through all of this as well.
0: Again, there's so many reasons why I knew I was like, I'm going to talk to Carrie, (laughs) because you're one of those people that I also just think you're you very are you're you and you're not necessarily what people expect. You're 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 awesome and so is your husband and your kids are so cute and fun so it's even though i haven't seen you in a minute then again i haven't seen most people in well at least six months at this point (laughs) you're one of those people i always enjoyed following and now when you started the teacher tips i think my favorite was your little caricature was it flat Carrie?
1: oh yeah it was my bitmoji Carrie. um so there's a children's book called flat stanley and in the teacher world like that if you teach in a primary grade like a lot of Teachers have given a flat Stanley picture um, to their students and they go on adventures with the students and they document it and take pictures and things like that. And Bitmojis are really, really, really popular, especially in the education world right now. So it was just an easy kind of pivot or take on that book. Um, I teach fifth grade this year, so I'm not 100% sure if my students would want to be the ones doing the, um, like taking me flat carry on those adventures, but um, to, to adjust it for my fifth graders, I um, have thought about possibly, I have friends that live all over. And so seeing if one of them's willing to kind of start it and sending myself flat carry to them, um, have them document things with flat carry and then them sending it to someone else, and let's see how far I can travel. Um, and I think that would be very relevant for fifth grade, and it would be like taking them on a field trip without them having to leave home. And right now, there is something to be said about that. So can you
0: please have a little adventure as a Flat Carry. Oh my <laughs> maybe
1: that yeah. will. Be, maybe that will be my next thirty days. I don't know. Um, I've never. <laughs> so been, maybe <laughs> if people do it,
0: you can compile it into a little book. Here's the adventures of Flat Carry, and then have <laughs> the kids write the captions. I went to Evansville and I did this, and then I went to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and what a neat experience for fifth graders! Like, we could write about what was interesting, we could ask questions to the friends that are taking Flat Carry on the adventures. Like, I'm thinking from the teacher standpoint, how many writing opportunities, yep. history lessons, um, reading lessons, um, possibly it's totally history life.
0: lesson, or geography lessons based on where you are,
1: <laughs> and math, how far we traveled, like we can calculate approximately how far we traveled if we know, you know, the starting and ending point, like how many miles did carry travel, like, it could be an all inclusive unit, for sure. Um, okay. You just made
0: an entire curriculum.
1: I love it. Yes, I've covered, well, I'm pretty good with that. Um,
0: I mean, yes, it is your job, but I mean, this (laughs) was super cute and super NTI and virtual.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's just, I don't know, like, being stuck at home, and it's just one of those things, like, I I want, I've never been one to overpost on social media. You've known me for a while. Um, And I just thought that if this is something that is really making this bearable and doable and fun for my students and meaningful and it's helping how we cope and handle things in our own home um why not share it because things like that aren't meant to be kept to yourselves like teachers thrive because we have each other because we work together because we have the same common goal when it comes to our students um and i wanted to be that person that could just share some things and some of them are really simple um and others are very silly and fun like the flat carry um last night i took a ruler and a thought bubble and a bitmoji picture of myself and i made like a little sign i can hold up while i'm teaching virtually that says you're on mute or I can still see you. Um, and it sounds so silly, but my students they sometimes forget that yeah, we're meeting virtually, but your camera's on and I can see you. And so when they are <laughs> and so this allows me to just kind of hold up my sign, they see that nonverbal cue and they get it under control. So
0: you know, I think it's been pretty amazing and actually something that I think kids will take with them forever. I mean, think about how much me in a common workplace and you as a teacher digitally, what we've had to learn in the last six months. Oh my! Goodness. Whether it's anything from a Zoom meeting to Google Classroom, whatever. We've, we have had such a steep learning curve. Meanwhile, my five-year-old who just started kindergarten, in the first week of school, they did a lesson on digital citizenship. And I thought... I think adults need to take a class on digital citizenship. And part of that digital citizenship, which is really hard to say now that I say it multiple times, um, they too are holding up little mute signs and eyes up here. And I mean, my five-year-old, I'm pretty sure knows how to use Google Meets better than some of my coworkers. (laughs) I mean, Because they're using it day in and day out all day long. And I mean, these are things that they're gonna know what those little symbols mean, how to read those words, what digital citizenship means hopefully from here to come. I think that is now going to be a part of curriculum probably forever in
1: some way. Well, and still with us, there's still so many unknowns. And I think above all, it's going to teach them how to be flexible and how to adapt and be resilient and persevere and work efficiently. So many life skills that they may not have necessarily gotten the opportunity to learn at this age. And I think that's a plus. Is it ideal? No, but I definitely think it's giving them skills, lifelong skills that are definitely going to prove helpful, whether they're inside a classroom or learning from home.
0: I totally agree with you. And again, that's something I keep reminding myself too with me and my coworkers, how much we've learned, how much we've changed our clients, the businesses, everything we do, every industry has been affected in some way. And so to see how people have adapted, I'm almost so impressed how fast we did adjust six months is not a long time. (laughs) And where we've come from March to now. Oh my gosh. I mean, Who would have ever thought this is what school would be this time this year? But it is, and it's happening, and we're adjusting. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but Carrie, is there anything else that people should know about you that they may not know? I know one thing about you and your husband. You're both connoisseurs of tattoos. Yes. You've got some beautiful ones.
1: (laughs) Um, How many
0: tattoos do you have?
1: Oh, over 20. Really? Uh-huh. It's grown since I've seen you last. Um, and, well, I mean, you don't have to, to be a teacher, you don't have to look a certain way. No. <laughs> um, the way you look does not dictate what you're capable of. And I love that I work for a district that allows you to be that, just that, like to be great for who you are, not for... Or how you look, because I've worked in schools where it's not always deemed appropriate um, to have, you know, piercings or tattoos, both of which I have. So it's it's wonderful to work for a corporation that sees that and knows that we're there for the students and we're great regardless of those outside factors. Um, And on that note, um, I'm incredibly thankful. And I don't think we would have been as successful with our virtual learning if it had not been for the administrators in our buildings. I know that school I'm at, my support system there is phenomenal, whether it's the principal, assistant principal, um, any of our coaches. my teammates, my other coworkers, like, it is unreal. The amount of family, I guess that you have within those buildings, even though they're not blood. The way we're supporting each other is just incredible. And that, like, that's amazing. And you don't always get reminded of that as frequently when you're in the building every single day, you know, you're, you're usually your teammates are there and are rallying for you and your administration. But just to see the way that we're pulling together, just solidifies the um, culture and the climate that run through our schools. And I'm so incredibly grateful. And I know many other teachers and other schools feel exactly the same way. Like it, it, it's been unreal to just see the support that has come out of this. Um, I'm getting ready to start a PBL, which is project-based learning. And um, something I would definitely want others to know about me is we, being at the school that I teach at, I teach in a very urban part of Louisville um, with children that deserve the very best of me and a safe space to learn and feel safe and to come to, whether it's virtually or in person. And our project is going to be, we have um, courtyards and some outdoor spaces that are very underappreciated or unused and why no one's utilizing these or why they haven't been utilized since I've been there. has always been in the back of my head. And my principal um, is fairly new to our school. I was hired by our previous principal and she has wondered and wanted to do the same thing. So this year um, I'm right now in the planning process of it and reaching out to community partners and things like that to possibly build outdoor learning spaces or gardens or, Places where we have benches and tables because we have so many crowded classrooms and so many students. And when we do go back to in-person learning, I want to have an alternative space where we can spread out, be in open air and still learn and be comfortable. And I want my fifth graders to find that leader in them and being the leaders of the school and them choosing how they want to morph these spaces um, and write a persuasive piece to make those changes and to build a model or a blueprint and write a proposal. Like, I'm so incredibly excited to start that. And I'll probably be documenting that journey as well um, because I think that's going to be amazing. And when we come back to in-person learning, they'll be able to see those dreams and those ideas come to fruition and i think that's going to be amazing and i don't and they'll be given that opportunity to feel like a leader and to be a leader and there's so much to be said about that
0: the amount of pride in seeing something with your own two hands being built um and to Like you said, there's a whole different level of pride there. So, Carrie, you're just wonderful. And I appreciate all that you do as a mom, as a fellow working mom, as a teacher in 2020, and a teacher in general. You are truly one of a kind, so unapologetically yourself in every single best way possible. So thank you for taking the time to be on my podcast today. You are wonderful, and thank you for all that you do. And if you ever need anything, I'm
1: right here. Oh, Sarah, I will remember that, don't you worry.